Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. We're live on Facebook and YouTube, so if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and if you're listening later on the podcast, hit follow and drop us a rating and review. It is a brilliant uh, pleasure to say we are recording this podcast on the back of a Newcastle United win, beating Wolves 2-1 up at St. James's Park, but we can only start one place, Aaron. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Regular listeners of this podcast will know what we talked about last week, and how I said... Jacob Murphy should start. He should be uh, in place of Miguel Almiron. Aaron was not with the idea. Many of you weren't with the idea, but I had faith in Jacob Murphy. I knew anyhow would be listening to me as well. He picked Jacob Murphy to start. Aaron put a Nando's on the line. Aaron lost the bet. We can't wait for Tuesday dinner time because what we're going to do tomorrow dinner time, Aaron? Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna reluctantly buy you Nando's, and we're gonna eat it live on YouTube, aren't we? Just for the for the viewers' pleasure. But yeah, look, I'm a I'm a man of my word. I'll stick to it. Better bet. And even though you weren't on a technicality, I'll um, I'll I'll buy you Nando's tomorrow. A technicality. So just explain to the listeners and viewers what you mean by that. How did I win this bet on a technicality? So uh, regular listeners of the show will know that last week I was convinced that it would be Anthony Gordon. Um, filled in for Miguel Amaron. I thought he would play alongside Isaac and Maxi. And some would say, if Anthony Gordon was fit, there wouldn't have been a Jacob Murphy in the team. So, you won, but did you really win? At what cost did you really win? I tell you what, right, when you look at Jacob Murphy's performance yesterday, and there were a lot of good performances, he did not put a foot wrong. He started the game how I thought he would do, getting down the wing, putting the balls in the box. In the first 10 minutes, he had three crosses into the box in the first two minutes he had two crosses into the box he did exactly what I thought he would do Wolves couldn't handle his quick feet his quick pace and he was also back defending and you know everyone to be fair that came in as a as a as a starter that didn't start the week before so you got Maxi obviously Cher came back in but that's expected so let's forget about him for the moment but Maxi Joe Willick Isaac and uh and, and Murphy they all played so well. And if that was a challenge by Eddie Howe to say the, the fringe players, for want of a better phrase, go out and prove my decision right, go out and prove that I was justified, they accepted it. And, and, and I tell you what, they, they took it on, didn't they? Because I thought everyone yesterday that came in played really well. Yeah, I've got to agree. And look, Eddie Howe making five changes, have we ever seen that before? It's not an Eddie Howe thing to do, especially not changing the entirety of the front three. Very, very bold. You know, fans have been calling for it. And in some ways, Howe sort of had a free hit because he could make these changes and he wasn't going to get any stick for it. The fans were calling for Isaac, the fans were calling for Maxi. Um, Cher was obviously you know, a no-brainer coming back in. And as you say, every single one of them that stepped in has you know, really, really played well. I thought it was a very, very um, positive performance throughout, even when they went, um, even when they conceded, you know, the, the heads didn't drop. Um, and yeah, look, I know, I know we joke about Murphy and we've had a good joke about it, but absolutely fantastic yesterday. Really, really good, really positive. Um, 
really dangerous and look, you know, you can't you can't grumble with, you know, the impact he's had. I think the word for me is just direct. Yeah. Like, you know, I know Almiron came off the bench and he scored a beautiful goal, a bit like with the deflection, but he did what Almiron does. But with Murphy, there's no kind of cutting back inside. He's putting that ball in the box and sometimes I think especially in recent weeks, Newcastle have just lacked that. So it was really good to see him just really going down the wings with, with one thing in mind, you know, either getting the ball in the box or taking a pop at goal. And that's what Newcastle have missed. And, and I'll be honest, you look at the game against Forrest on Friday, and I don't think anyhow has an easy decision to make no. in, in, in most of the positions on, on, on the pitch. You know, on both wings, you could make an argument for, for either Miggy, Murphy or St. Maximum to start and then up top you would say okay that might be the, probably the easiest one you probably think Isaac starts but you know in midfield as well he's got a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a hard decision to make but um, yeah I mean especially on the wings they've given him food for food, food for thought yeah look Murphy came in how spoke last week about how he's deserved it he's you know impressed off the bench and he was knocking on the door he's now gone and done it from the start you know he's probably changed a lot of people's minds He's a player who's very much playing for his future at the club. I know he's on a, an extremely long contract anyway, but um, he's done himself absolutely no harm. Maxi, I know we spoke off him. We, we had sort of different views. I thought he was one of the quieter ones yesterday. By no means had a bad game, but I just thought, you know, there was others offering more. And then obviously Miggy comes off the bench and, and scores and, and refines his, his form in front of goal. So Just on St Maxman, and this might surprise a few, a few people, I'm going to really sing his praises here. Um, for me, Joe Willock was, was man of the match. I thought Joe, Joe Willock was absolutely unstoppable. But there were times in that game, especially in the first half, when Maxi was just running at the defence mm. and they just did not know how to handle him. And yes, the end product wasn't always there. Um, and that's that's but that's going to be that's going to be the issue in his game. I don't think we're ever going to be sitting here saying the end product is there with St. Maximum. It's going to be kind of fifty-fifty. But I just thought that was the maxi rule yesterday: ball down, running at them left, right, you know, dropping the shoulder, and Wolves Wolves were rattled. I still think he looks a little bit restricted. I still think the shackles are on just a little bit. I think the last couple of weeks, you know, we have touched on it. I've sort of certainly been a big advocate for him coming back in from the start but I don't know he just still just looks like he's taking a little bit too long on the ball he doesn't really know you know does he think I don't have the freedom I used to under Bruce or even the early days of how because I'm trying to be more of a squad player in this team and I'm trying to you know be a team player I, I don't know but then you look at Isaac who is running at defenders like Max used to but actually you know he's he's probably better at it. I think when he's got the ball at his feet. So by no means a bad game for Maxi. The first half he was dangerous. You know he was you know making life hard for for the right back of, of Wolves. But I'm 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 just not too sure. I think I think he's had better games in, in recent weeks. Uh, Roger says Murphy was great from the start. Did what we'd be missing a winger banging crosses in from the off. Thomas says Murphy had. A great game, in his opinion, and plenty of us talking up Jacob Murphy. So you know, proves that maybe I, I do know a little bit about what I talk about. Eh? Uh, look, are you trying to look? Are you trying to look for some disparaging comments there? Are you? No, I just saw a comment from Sam Mullen. I, I assume it's going to be banging on about. It's going to be about Isaac. Alexander Isaac. Because I've actually, I've, I've got a message for Sam Mullen, and that is, he should be expecting a letter from me in the post, and it is a formal application to join 
the Alexander Isaac fan club. <laughs> honestly, yesterday it just. I honestly think when he when he gets a run of games, and even in the next couple of years when he gets a bit older, a bit more mature, what a player he is going to be. He was. I, I thought. I thought he was my man of the match yesterday. I just. I mean, I, yeah. I, well, he wasn't my man of the match as mentioned Joe Wood, but he did have a, a fantastic game. Just on Sam. Now I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this, but he took his his little lad to his first Newcastle United game yesterday, and he said. And even his favourite player scored, i.e. his son's favourite player scored. And um, I'd love Sam to correct himself because I think what he meant was his favourite player and <laughs> Sam's favourite player scored. I'm sure in the comments Sam will uh, will let me uh, let me know if I'm right or not. But yeah, look, Isaac, this is exactly why we wanted him to start. And we mentioned how Murphy was direct. I mean, Isaac was, was, was that as well. And what I loved about it, he was all over the pitch as well. Mm -hmm. He wasn't just in the centre. You know, there was a moment... I think it was in the first 20 minutes when he, he he chases the ball back and Wolves get to about the halfway line and he wins it and then he turns and goes forward again. And you just think that, that just a brilliant effort there from him. And what I love, yeah, just all over the pitch and then clinical with that head. I mean, it was a fantastic head, a great delivery from Trippier. And Wolves, they couldn't handle him either. Yeah, look, if, if we're talking about Murphy, you know, proving a point about starting Alexander Izak, who has been knocking on the door more than most... Honestly, just what a, what an assured performance. If he is not fit, I know we'll probably talk about this later, but Eddie Howe moved to clarify the comments about him being fit for 90 minutes. He looked, you know, if that is not him fully fit, then what is he going to be like in a couple of months? On and off the ball, I mean, the way he moves down the channels when you castle a counter-attack and the way that the likes of Maxi and Bruno and Murphy can feed him in behind and he just picks the ball up and drives it at defenders... Callum Wilson's got a real, real fight in his hands to get that number nine spot back because if if Isaac can build up a run and build on these last couple of performances, how on earth does Wilson get back in that team? Mm. He's been so good. Uh, Sam says, yes, Aaron, we're going to have a whale of a time. Isaac <laughs> is class. My son, Charlie, went to school singing Miguel Almiron this morning. And in on Isaac, it was really important, I felt, that he grabbed the goal yesterday because when you are handed the chance, not only to replace Callum Wilson, but to replace... Newcastle's number nine, you have to take that opportunity and you are judged on goals. And, you know, he's played well, but he's not got the goals of late. And then yesterday to get that goal, brilliant header at the Gallagher end, really important because it does, similar to kind of Joe Willick, similar to maybe Jacob Murphy to a lesser extent on his part, but it says to, you know, the manager, you were right to start me, you were right to pick me now drop me after that performance. Yep, and lots of talk as well about what's his best position. Is he a number 10? Do you stick him out wide? Can he play as a number 9? I think yesterday proved that actually, you know, he's more than comfortable playing in that central striker role. Um, and very, very interesting. How was asked about it at full time about, you know, is he still considering Wilson and Isaac together? And he sort of alluded to the fact that it would only ever be later in a game. I don't think he's got any plans to start the two of them together because it, you know, the balance loses elsewhere. So it really is going to be a battle between the two of them for that one position up front. Uh, to kind of phrase this, Willick and Isaac were the best two players on the pitch. We've got Dolph Peters here saying, good to see a good delivery by Trippier. It's been a while and it has. I felt this corner still weren't great. He couldn't beat the uh, the first man and when he did, it was hit too far the other way. But that free kick, that delivery, that's exactly what we need to see more from Kieran Trippier. And I wrote a piece earlier in the week, you know, and did a video about how we need to see him back to his best because when he is, 
Newcastle are. And we saw glimpses of it yesterday. I didn't think he was 100% at his best. He was unfortunate for the for the equaliser. He slips when he tries to clear it. You know, I thought it was an all right performance. I just want to see more with them corners. But as Dolph says, a fantastic assist for Isaac's goal. Yeah, if I'm completely honest, I thought Trippier played well. I think, you know, if you take that little slip and that mistake out of it, I think he had a, a near-perfect game. I thought he kept... Um, Poor ends quiet in the first half, apart from that one chance. I thought he, I thought he was back to sort of the trip year of old. Um, deliveries were better, and I mean, I know you talk about those corners hitting the first man, but you know Bruno hit the bar from a decent corner. I mean, say a decent burn probably did well to keep it alive, but I thought his all round game was better yesterday, um, and it was good to see because he sort of flew under the radar a little bit with his poor performances and everyone was, you know, oh, Wilson's never been the same player since the World Cup but actually, I think Trippier escaped quite a lot of criticism didn't he in the last couple of weeks until maybe a week or so ago where it started to turn and everyone was starting to notice that maybe he's he's at fault for, a, 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 you know, a couple of goals in the last couple of weeks. One man who was expected to drop out was, was Dan Byrne. A lot of people thought Matt Target would come in yesterday. How stuck was Dan? And... I thought he played really well. Yeah, it's one did, of his best games in a long while. And there was there was one or two moments when he was caught out for pace, but I think what happened was the, the rest of his teammates kind of had that balance where it didn't matter so much. But for the large part, I thought it was a solid, solid performance. A good kind of 7, 8 out of 10 performance from Dan Byrne. And again, it makes those decisions which a week ago, and I suppose this shows the fickle nature of football, a week ago, them decisions are really easy. You know, Dan Byrne's got to drop out. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's lost form, he's lost a bit of pace, or Matt Target's a proper left back. With a performance like that yesterday, it makes the decision a little bit harder, which is exactly what you want. You don't want Eddie Howe going into his office on a Thursday, picking the team for the Friday and, and having it easy. You want him sitting there scratching his head, thinking, well, you know, can I really drop this person? Can I really drop that person? Yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, I took my seat yesterday and I sort of looked out at the players on the pitch and I saw that it was Dan Byrne against Adorma, Adorma Traore and I thought it's going to be one of those games like Anthony, like Saka, you know, where Byrne just can't deal with them and actually, he absolutely kept him quiet all game, Traore comes off, Neto comes on, he keeps him quiet as well and Dan Byrne needed that more than most, he needed a good performance, more than Isaac coming in, more than Murphy coming in because we were sat here this time last week and you probably had 90% of the comments saying it's time for Target, it's time for Target. Well, actually, Dan Byrne has proved that he's probably still got you know life as a left-back in this team. Um, I thought he was really, really good, really assured. I thought him and Cher were probably the two standout defenders yesterday. Um, and I'm really pleased. And look, he's not perfect. He's not... You know, is he is he a left back? I'm still not too sure. But in this team, you know, when he when he's on form like that, it really does work. Yeah, you mentioned Cher there, absolutely superb. You know, he's one of the changes where we're not saying he has to take his opportunity because he was always going to come back in, no matter how well Jamal Lascelles did and Lascelles did brilliant against City. But if Cher's fit, we know he's his first choice. And there was a really nice moment. I've done the five things you may have missed from the game yesterday. And in, in, that, in the list is a moment when Howell, uh, Raul Jimenez goes up and you can see what he's doing. He's trying to win a foul because there was 10 minutes left and the idea would have been to get the ball down, free kick and lob it into the box and hope for, you know, it drops. And Cher just kind of stood there, let Jimenez back into him. Then he went up and he just fell over him. Cher got the ball and runs off and it was... Cher just showed he understood what the game plan was there. He knew Jimenez was going to try and buy the foul. He let him fall over and, and make a right uh, 
mess of himself. And I thought it was just another moment in an overall performance by Cher where he kept Wolves quiet. And it was it was a really good performance. Yeah, he's just a warrior every week, isn't he? Just putting his head where nobody else wants to put it. I thought every header he went for, he won. Very, very composed. He dealt with him, as you said, expertly all game. Um, and yeah, look, he just... It still baffles me every week that we're, we're praise sharing. He costs three million. It's just like now. I mean, I know he, he's getting on a bit now, and you know he probably doesn't have that much resale value. But if Newcastle did want to sell him, he'd be getting a hell of a lot more than three million from now. He's 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 been absolutely fantastic. And people talk about Joel Linton's transformation under Howe and Meggie's transformation, but actually, when Eddie Howe came to this football club, Fabian Share was probably what fifth choice defender. Mm. Steve Bruce wanted to let him go. Um, I think many would have put someone like. You know Fernandez ahead yeah, of him in, in the pecking order. I think at one point even Kieran Clark was getting a game over him. So, yeah, just fantastic to see. And, and one of the best moments yesterday for me was the the beaming smile off the kid in the stand who got his shirt at the end. Honestly, it was absolutely brilliant. It was on the TV screens as the players were making their way around. And yeah, really, really good to see. Yeah, I thought actually, you know, the the, the atmosphere. It was it was a little bit. I thought I thought strange. I thought. Kick, before kickoff, it seemed a little bit flat, but as soon as the game got going and Newcastle yeah. started, I mean, Newcastle started really quickly. They set the tone for the rest of the game. That first half, they were unplayable, and that all started from. I mean, if you noticed when they kicked off, the first kickoff of the actual game, you had Kieran Trippier and you had Dan Byrne actually on the halfway line. So that showed you exactly the intent that Newcastle was starting this game with. They were starting. And they were going to go forward and attack Wolves and, and really press them up. And that's something else we saw. We saw the high pressure nature, which we haven't seen in recent weeks. And I'll get into that in a moment. Just on the, on the crowd, I thought when Newcastle got going, and then obviously the, the, the equaliser came, and again you saw that the hands being raised by by Isaac, didn't you, and, and Bruno. The crowd were right behind them. And I thought there was a lot of moments yesterday where the crowd were at the absolute best. And it's a cliche 12th man, but... I think Newcastle really needed needed their backing yesterday. Yeah, I I I can't actually you know pick any holes in your assessment there. I think especially before the game, as you say, it was a bit of a weird atmosphere. You know, Sunday half four, you'd never really seen Newcastle play at that time, and you know, a big game, a lot of nerves beforehand. Can Newcastle get back on track? I actually agree. I thought early doors, even before Isaac scored, the crowd was really really sort of like old and like we saw at the start of the season. And as you say, they didn't let the head drop when, when Wolves scored. And that could have easily happened because obviously, you know, at that point, he'd just taken his like off. Wolves had got a very, very lucky goal to get back into it. They could have easily, you know, gone ahead then. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I thought they were excellent yesterday at St James's. And just on the way they started, on the high press, and it's what Newcastle have been really good at. But teams of late have sat off and, and, and thrown the challenge down in Newcastle. But if you listen to the View from the Opposition podcast on, on Friday with Alex from Birmingham Live, he said, you know, Wolves like possession. They want to be on the ball because they think the midfield, the likes of Ruben Neves, Martinho, have got the skill to hurt them. That played in Newcastle's hands because, like I say, for a long time, Newcastle have had to be the ones that control the game and they've not looked overly confident at doing that. Whereas on Sunday, it was very much right. We'll, we'll sit back, we'll absorb and we'll hit them on the counter Newcastle did what they're good at and it's going to be interesting going forward because they're not going to be able to do that every week but it's clearly what they're very good at at the moment. Mm-hmm. What did you make of, I suppose, the change in approach forced by the way Wolves approached the game but what did you make of Newcastle's approach to it? If I'm completely honest, the, the, the first half, which you know, I mean, I thought Newcastle should have been out of sight 
at half time. Um, the first 45 minutes I thought was like watching the Newcastle United from August to Christmas. It was that team that were literally just going to kill a game in the first 30 Very minutes. Fast, quick. Fast, quick pace. And if I'm completely honest, I think it was the, the three forwards that how picked that were responsible for that. With the ball, Murphy, Maxi, driving at players, Isaac driving at players. Without the ball, all three of them, you know, not afraid to press. Um, and as you say, Neves and Matinho, I mean, we've seen so many times this season alone, they can just dominate a game. They're so good at the ball, they're so good at transition, you know, from defence to attack. And, you know, Newcastle didn't let them do that. I thought Neves, you know, had a very, very quiet game. Matinho was, was all right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the team selection was actually spot on. Roger says here, biggest plaudits go to Eddie Howe for making five changes, needed so much, kick up the, the backside, and it, and it worked. And as you said earlier on the show, and sitting there, Eddie Howe making five changes, it's not something that happens often. I know one was enforced, one was expected because Cher coming back in, but for Eddie Howe, who, a man who doesn't like to change his side, it was probably a big, a big move for him because he's not used to doing that. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we sat here and thought, oh, well, how's not going to change it? He never changes it. He likes to stick to the team. But as I said at the, at the start of the show, I think he did have a bit of a free hit this week because all the fans wanted so many changes. Everybody wanted Isaac in. People wanted Target in. People wanted Maxi to, you know, take that spot down the left again. Willock was always going to come back in. How people wanted Murphy in. Just, so, just Some people wanted Murphy in. Um, <laughs> so he sort of had the licence to do it. And, and I think... Look, the form the last couple of weeks, it's been shaky. They haven't been involved. Something needed to change. And, you know, thankfully for Howe, thankfully for Newcastle, the changes he made work perfectly. Now the question is, I mean, looking ahead at Friday, what does he do? You've got Miggy coming off the bench and scoring, but also you've got Murphy playing really well. Willicks came in and had a blinder. I think he'll keep a spot. Burns got to keep a spot. You know, do you keep the same team for Forrest? Well, we've got Chris here saying... I think Eddie Howe should not change anything. He should play the same team. Good so timing, you guys watching live, let us know in the comments. Friday against Forest, what changes, if any, are you making? Are you keeping the same side? For me, I think the only one that you could say probably might push for a start is Miguel Almiron. You know, Murphy coming in for him, in my mind, was always he was being rested. He wasn't being dropped or he was being rested. Now, as impressed as I was with Alan St. Maximum, did he do enough to keep uh, Miggy out of the team? Because for me, I think Jacob Murphy should start on, on Friday. Don't worry, you don't have to always Hernandez or anything. But I just <laughs> think he should start on Friday because I thought it was quite telling as well that it was St. Maximum that came off mm-hmm. for Miggy and not Jacob Murphy. And Jacob Murphy goes on to the left. I, I thought that was quite telling. So I think he'll stick. And the only real question is, is whether... It's Miggy back in the side. I can't see him, you know, get taking Isaac out the side. Midfield is the midfield. Dan Byrne, like we say, has done enough there to, to probably shut down the debate for, for a wee while. The only question, I think, is does Miggy return? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's an interesting one. I, you know, I know I'm, I've done a complete U-turn on this, but I think Murphy's showing on Sunday, you know, means he probably does warrant a start Friday. I think it would be harsh to take him out of the team when he's came in and actually done so well. I said last week, I think, with obviously the changes he made and having Wilson and Armour off the bench, that bench looks so much stronger. I mean, having Miggy to come on with 30 minutes left in the game, defences are getting tired. As we saw yesterday perfectly, he's running rings around them. So 
is it the worst thing in the world to actually have Miggy on the bench Friday away at Forest? I mean, it doesn't matter too much because they've obviously got that break. They're going to Dubai. You know, it's not as if you're going to be you know running players into the ground. They know they've got this break coming up. I'd be t- I'd be tempted to stick with Chris, and, and I think they they should keep it the same. Uh, so we've got Darren saying I would stick with the same squad. Thomas saying same team definitely. Roger saying. I wouldn't change our team. Having Miggy on the bench is a strong yeah. opinion. John saying, personally, I would leave the team as it is. So it looks like everyone's kind Pretty of saying, unanimous. leave it as it is, which, of course, Eddie Howe likes to do. So we, we will, we'll see. I mean, the other thing is, will Anthony Gordon be back? But it doesn't look like he will be. looks like he'll be out of this one. He might not even be back for that Manchester United game, which is a, which is a shame because, obviously... Big money signing, clearly a man with talent. He's just not been able to get to get going at the moment, and that's gonna that'd be a, a big blow. Even though the injury itself doesn't seem too severe, in terms of the stop-start nature of his career at Newcastle, that's that's the blow, isn't it? Yeah, huge blow. And actually, it's quite funny when you look at it. They signed two players in January, and they're both out injured. So, Harrison Aspie and, and Anthony Gordon. So, very disappointing. You know, we were we were talking about yesterday after the game, and we we're waiting for how we don't actually know when it happened, how insists that it was a, a tackle that happened at Man City, but, you know, I mean, I can't remember, you know, I'm hobbling off or anything like that, so, not actually too sure when it was, how, you know, as you've touched on, doesn't seem very confident that he's going to be back from Manchester United, so, it's going to probably be three or four weeks out, um, but look, as, 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 as much as they're a team, it's good for Murphy mm. because Murphy gets a shot. It's good for Maxi because it's one less place that he's got to try and fight for. You know, Gordon might actually struggle to get back in this team when he comes back, even though he started last week at the Etihad. So, interesting for him. And obviously, you know, Ashby is, is out as well. But, um, yeah, he's going to have a fight in his hands to get back in this team. I just want to talk a bit more about Joe Willick. Obviously, look... Yeah. Signed for Newcastle on the back of that amazing run of form during the lockdown, was never ever ever going to hit those heights again because it was kind of it was <laughs> unrealistic, wasn't it? It was kind of a, a Hollywood script, and he's been inconsistent, hasn't he? I think would would be a fair assessment. Uh, you know, that injury rocked him. Obviously, not fit for the final. Probably would have started the final. I think um, had he been fit, but yesterday just a reminder of what he can do because from the word go up and down that pitch and you, do you know what I loved as well there was a moment right when Isaac's running through in the, in the, in the second half and uh, Willick's screaming for the ball and Isaac holds onto it he goes down in the box it's a fair challenge Wolves clear and Willick turns to Isaac and he just gestures he's saying why didn't you give us the ball he was angry he was frustrated and I just think I just looked I just thought what a great moment because that's confidence for him to turn around to the man who's got got the goal, sixty million pounds strike, and say, "I wanted that ball. Why didn't you? I was in a better position." You know, he, he, there's been times I think with Willick at Newcastle where he hasn't looked confident. You know, he hasn't looked like the voice that Newcastle needed in that midfield. But I thought yesterday he was organising, he was vocal. You know, and then after that moment, he gets up and he chases the ball back, which I think you know just goes to show what a, what a brilliant all-round game he had. But that moment for me stood out, and just I thought honestly, man of the match performance for me. Yeah, he was very very good, and I think it was a weird one, Willa, because he'd, he'd finally hit form. He'd hit a good, you know, he'd hit a good run. He suffers that injury, um, you know, misses the final. He's actually been quite fortunate that obviously Jolinton is now out for two games. He's slotted straight back in without question. But it was still up to him to actually prove yesterday that he was, you know, worthy of that position. And and as you say, I, obviously for me, Isaac was my other match, but Willock was, you know, 
very, very close second. I thought he's brilliant on and off the ball. His assist for Miggy's goal is absolutely fantastic because, you know, he had a couple of options on. He takes it out of his feet. He's got to decide very quickly. You know, really, really clever uh, pass to Miggy. And also, he, he offers that cover a burn. There was times yesterday where um, Semedo was bombing down that right-hand side and Maxi just let him go because Maxi's been told to press the centre-back and Willock's just across straight away. He offers so much defensively, whether Joe Linton's alongside him or not. Um, it's big shoes to fill with Joe Linton because we were sitting here saying, you know, I, I fear Newcastle are going to really suffer without yeah. Joe Linton because, again, I'll repeat myself, he's been the most consistent performer, in my opinion, this season. But they didn't look like they missed him at all yesterday. No, they didn't. And, and Willock and Joe Linton are obviously different players and I think Joe Linton probably offers more balance. But... The team certainly isn't unbalanced when you've got Willick sort of playing, you know, on the left of that three. I think he's proven now he's, he's a lot fitter than he was. Even at the start of this season, I think he's getting fitter and fitter. He's got he's got more of an engine now, um, and he's proven that off the ball he can be just as effective. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Really pleased for him because, as you say, at the start of the season. Just wasn't, you know, it, you know, it, it might be a case form. that you know he's he's finally settled. You know, moving away from from Arsenal, where you've been for most of your life, is obviously going to be a big, big move. And then you had that utterly bizarre statement where he was pretty much thrown under the bus, wasn't he? You know, we've spent all this money on Joe Willick. You know, Steve Bruce was told if if Joe Willick arrives for thirty odd million, there's no more money in the pot. That was a horrendous, horrendous statement <laughs> to put on his shoulders. You know, maybe. All that, all those elements are now playing in his favour, and he just looks like a settled player. And it's interesting what's going to happen when Joe Linton comes back in. We've got Trules here saying we should have Willick, Bruno, and Big Joe when Joe Linton's done with the suspension. Going forward, is that the midfield you think it will be, or has Sean Longstaff done enough where he keeps Joe Willick out? Maybe even keeps Joe Linton out. I think if they're all fit, and I mean, this has been the big thing, they haven't actually all been available at the same time of a lot of the season. Bruno's obviously been out, and then obviously Jolton gets banned, Willock's had his injuries. Longstaff's been the only really you know consistent player where he hasn't really picked up an injury. I think if they're all fit on their day, I think you go with that midfield three and Longstaff drops out. I think yeah, everybody knows I love the work that Longstaff does off the ball, but actually Willock and Jolton are proven that they can actually do that role pretty capably as well. And this is, again, it's going back to what I talked about. Suddenly, if you've got Wilson, Almiron and Longstaff on the bench, the standard just improves and the players that you're bringing on are, you know, rather than, and look, this is no slight against them, but rather than bringing Matt Ritchie on to try and fill a role in centre midfield or, you know, vice versa, you're having better options. So I think Longstaff eventually drops out. It's no slight on him. That midfield is just packed with talent now. I've got to say that I did love Matt Ritchie coming on yesterday. <laughs> Just running around like like a man who's finally been released. He was just <laughs> running about and he was doing his usual shouty stuff, which I absolutely love. Yeah, and he didn't again. He did, it was a, a good cameo performance. I don't yeah, think he had a touch, mind you. I don't but, think he had a touch, but <laughs> you know he shouted a lot. So he ran around a lot. And, but yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, you, you would think he's probably going to go in the summer. But great servant um, for Newcastle. Uh, a word on Bruno, as always. We're going to be singing his praises because again, yesterday. Just controlling the game. It, it's like he's got some kind of force field around him. When he gets the ball and he can just turn, it's like it's like they can't get anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Longstaff. Someone's right on his back, but he just turns with ease and no one's around him. Picks out the pass. He's got the passion. There was a great moment at the end after uh, that little corner where everyone's accusing Newcastle of fake time waste. And 
Miggy to Wilson, Wilson to Miggy, Miggy to Bruno, Bruno to Wilson. It comes across. Botman fires scored. over. I should have scored. And I don't know. If, I don't know if Bruno thinks it's gone in and he's just not seen it properly. But he kind of throws his hands up in the air and then runs around as he turns. And then I think he maybe has a realization that yeah, that is probably a sitter he's missed there. His arms are still out like the end of the north. I think. I just. I think he was just going along with the momentum of the game. I think. I think we're all like that. I thought it had gone in purely because I thought. It's harder to miss than it is to score. I mean, I know he's a centre-back, and look, we all love him. He's been fantastic. <laughs> that was criminal. I thought, I'll be honest, if, I thought it was Longstaff. So did that first, because I thought, what on earth is Botman doing that high up the pitch? And then, obviously, remember, it was a corner. But, look, if, if the game had been a 1-1 and that had happened, oh, my God. But, yeah, luckily, Newcastle were in the you know the luxurious position of already being ahead. But, yeah, very good move from that corner, by the way. Excellent. Very good move. And as you say, 93rd minute, he could easily have kept it in the corner like City did a week previous. Um, but, yeah, really, really good play. And Bruno, you know, I think he drew the most fouls, four fouls in the game. I think he's drawn the most fouls across the entire season. He's very, very clever at winning the fouls. He buys a foul very yeah. easily, doesn't he? And you could see how tired he was yesterday because it was late on, he wins a foul and he just falls to the floor, doesn't he? He's, he's there for about two minutes with his arms outstretched, just taking a bit of a nap. And at the end, he was down on his knees as well, looking like he desperately needed a bit of a rest. But just fantastic again for him. And it's easy to see why Real Madrid are linked to, to Bruno because every single game, he just shows you exactly why he's, he, he is classed as one of the, the rising stars in Europe. Yeah, he just makes it look effortless, doesn't he? I mean, how many times have we sat here and just praised him? I feel like every week we do it, but that's because he just puts in you know, really, really consistent performances. I think, as you touched on earlier, very, very good at just turning. And actually, when the ball is coming from the defence, but like that, like that, he's turning it away and they're on the attack again. There was a moment yesterday when Wolves were in the last two minutes really trying to put the pressure on to get an equaliser and we just wanted the ref to blow the whistle and Bruno just does what he does. Buys a little foul, there's nothing really in it, he's going nowhere. Job done. Yeah, he's just, he was brilliant. And you know what it is, he didn't actually, he's one of those yesterday where you, you would probably pick five or six players ahead of him for like mile of the match, but he still had a good game. Do you, you know what I mean? You think that without him doing what he does, those players don't excel yeah. as much, you know, because he's the, he's the key. He's what makes them tick in, in many ways. Should have scored, probably. You'd argue, which is all just one of those ways. You know, it's it, it, you know it's fine margins. The header. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Unlucky. I mean, I know he was close out and the ball was fine at one, but yeah, can't be too harsh on for that. And Derek says, "Love Richie. Easily the most intelligent footballer for the past three or four years. Unfortunately, a bit past it now for where we want to be. But I tell you what, I'd get him on a contract to start." Coaching, get him in the coaching uh, staff there because you know he sets the bar uh, really well, and like you say, he's a very intelligent player. Um, let's talk about then Nick Pope and the incident with Jimenez. Now, my initial thought was he's done it again. He's off because in that in that moment in real time, it looks like a penalty to me. It looks like he's fouled him, but when you watch the replay, and I know. We disagree here. But when you watch the replay, to me, I think if Jimenez goes in normally, it's a penalty, it's a red card, Newcastle have a bad afternoon. But what Jimenez does, he tries to buy buy it. He doesn't need to do it. He throws himself into Nick Pope. And if I'm the Wolves manager, I'm going to be absolutely fizzing at that because go in normally, suddenly you've got yourself a penalty. Well, look, I don't know what the Wolves manager was like behind the scenes, but you know, speaking to us yesterday after the game, he was pretty fuming that it hadn't been given. He said it was, 
you know, a blatant penalty. I'll be completely honest. Watching it live, thought penalty. Saw the first replay, thought, nah, it's not a penalty. Saw the third replay, thought, mm, you know what, that's probably a penalty. Went in at half-time, had a chat with the other journalists. Half of them thought it was a penalty, half it wasn't. I generally don't know. I think I agree with you. I think Jimenez looks for it. He doesn't do himself any favours. I also think, if that's at the other end of the pitch, we are sat here now going, that's an absolute disgrace. He's through on goal. It's, a, it's an empty net. I think if that was at the other end, we would be absolutely screaming for it. I personally think... Heart, heart, got in my head. You've got to make a decision. I think it was probably a penalty. I think Pope is lucky to escape it. Darren says after re-watching it, it is a clear pen and red card. It's the way the Wolves player stepped with his move. That movement looks like Pope did not touch him. Uh, Dolph says Dan Byrne got body checked in the build-up to the Wolves box player. Shouldn't have gotten to Pope in the incident. And Derek says, "Come on, Andrew, foul penalty and red card. No doubts at all. It was a penalty, I think, and I." The good thing is, and I didn't realise this at the time, but it would have been a four-game ban for Pope. Casemiro got, got off. four, hasn't he, after the second oh, I mean, that would have been <laughs> so hefty. Here we go. See, to kind of phrases, disagree. Blatant dive. I suppose, as uh, our social media producer Arash said this morning to us both, it's probably evened out because Newcastle have had some pretty rotten luck with VAR. I know we shouldn't be living on that, but, you know, maybe, maybe so. I mean, Derek's agreeing with you. We would have been livid if that was Newcastle United. I, I suppose, on the other hand, you could maybe argue that Samido was very lucky to be on the pitch when Murphy runs through, or was it far mm. enough away from the goal that he wasn't last man? I think he's he's still a way out from goal. Is there a no. is he is he any further out than than uh, Salah was? I know the key, I know that was the keeper. Mm, I don't know. Was Kilman about to cover? I can't really remember how many Wolves defenders were back, but I didn't think the Murphy one at the time was a red. I know Newcastle United players were, were appealing for it, but I, 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 I don't know. I think it would have been quite lucky. But I think I think Pope, Pope well. Yeah. I mean, the annoying thing about that was, right, this is why I think he should have been sent off, Samido, because Murphy's through. Murphy's through on goal, right? And this is what would have happened. Comes through, dinks the keeper, because we know he loves a good dink, and he doesn't usually go off. Dinks it out with the keeper. Back of the net, you owe me some... Cake. Yeah, but he didn't. So it's just an Andos. Let's just keep it at that. Eh? <laughs> uh, Darren says when Pope messes up, he does it in style. I'll give him <laughs> that. I'm not sure that's a badge of honour Nick Pope will want. Darren, good to see though that Nick Pope actually, you know, he puts it out of his mind and he made two fantastic saves during the game. And Newcastle, for all Newcastle were comfortable, Wolves still carried a little bit of threat, and there was two two crucial saves that Pope had to make to keep that score in Newcastle's favour. Yeah, he, he did really. There was there was a couple of times where he looked a bit shaky. I, I don't think he's a, a goalkeeper that's very good with his feet. He's never. But we knew be, that though. He's never going to be an Addison or uh, sorry, he's never going to be an Edison or an Allison. We we knew that as a shot stopper, he was fantastic. Really good saves. That one from the free kick. Don't know if he gets a touch on it before it hits the ball, but that was fantastic. Really, really good to deny another uh, Wolves player in the first half as well. Just a really, really good performance. Good to see that he's sort of back after that that Liverpool mistake. Mm, because then there was moments when you probably should have been sent off in the view of most people. It could be quite difficult to get that out of your mind in such a high-intensity situation. So shows a good bit of character there. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think we've always known that about Nick Pope. He's very, very experienced. You know, anybody you speak to, whether it's in Newcastle, whether it's in the England set, whether it's any of his former coaches, they all say the exact same thing, you know, Elite professional, um, 
And look, hopefully they just don't give him the ball with a back pass too often. Jordy uh, Toon for Life says, Murphy would have hit the post. It's what Murphy does. And then Darren says, I think Pope needs this break coming up after the Forest game. Um, let's talk about then the, the, the table as a whole, Aaron. You know, the results this weekend, other than Spurs winning, yeah. served Newcastle a great opportunity in the race with the top four. You know, Bournemouth beating Liverpool, fantastic. Uh, and it was always in their hands, but it was really, really, really crucial that they, they got three points yesterday to go above Liverpool, four points behind Spurs with two games in hand. It's still very much in Newcastle's hands, but really, you felt for that to be the case, they had to win yesterday. They had to, because they've been on, we'll call it a dip in form, we'll not call it a blip, but they've been in a dip of form. They needed to get out of that kind of downward spiral. They did it really well. They've now got to go to the forest and do it again. The table's looking so healthy. I mean, it sounds weird saying that when you think back to last last year, but as I said in previous, I'm sick of saying that. Let's look where we were this time last season, because that only gets so far. The race for the top four, after yesterday's win, in Newcastle's hands, can they do it? Um, I'd like to say yes, but I think there's still a long way to go. They need to prove that the Wolves win wasn't just a... I'm not going to say a flash in the pan because they've been there during the season, but they need to prove that they can back it up with a result at Forest. They needed a win yesterday, as you said, because obviously, you know, opinion was starting to change slightly. You had people like yourself tweeting that they needed to kickstart their season and all that. I mean, come on. Six in the table. But they needed a win just to, you know, and look, they needed a win after five changes because I think Kyle might have, you know, got some stick. They needed to get that winner after he took Isaac off and they conceded. Um, it's in their hands. They've got the games in hand. The results, as you say, went their way other than Spurs. I'd like to say that they're going to qualify for Champions League, but I'm just not too sure. Jory Toon for Life says, we can catch by United. It's not fantasy, it's reality. We beat Forrest on Friday. The Man U with no Casemiro, uh, with Fred. He says that the race is on. I mean, the one you're looking at is Spurs, really. You know, we'll, and we'll do the talking about looking ahead because we know Eddie Howe is game by game. We'll, we'll look ahead a bit further. Spurs, so inconsistent, up and down. Yeah, I think you you look at Spurs and you, you what you need is a good run of results. Newcastle have been playing all right, not picking up the wins. Hopefully this... This result against Wolves, and I'll say it again: kick starts, kick no restart, restarts, restarts their form. Win against Forest, you know, because I, I can't, I can't see Spurs hitting a consistent patch. I mean, it looks like Conte is going to go in the summer out of the Champions League. Things don't look right there. They've got the additional financial pressures that Newcastle don't have. You know, they've got maybe the the want away striker. Is Harry Kane going to leave? You know, in the summer that you know is he going to go to another rival like City? Maybe even Newcastle United. Don't think that's going to happen in reality. But there's so many distractions. Whereas here for Newcastle, everything looks like it's going swimmingly. So I think that also the off the field distractions at Spurs probably playing in Newcastle's hands as well when it comes to comes to the race for the top four. Yeah, if I'm completely honest, we need Tottenham to have a lot more of their manager and their striker calling each other out as we've seen this week with Richarlison. Um Spurs are just a very weird team. Everyone thought Conte was going to bring him, you know, guide them to the title in the Champions League and all that. It isn't working, but then they just pull results like that on, and performances like that out of the bag on Saturday and I think that's the one issue that Newcastle need to be wary of. But look, if any team's going to fall apart, it's Spurs. So it is, as you say, still in Newcastle United's hands. 
Um, let's talk about that trip to to Dubai then, and we'll, we'll cover it more in, in the weeks to come. But obviously, announced earlier this month, they're going to head over to Dubai. It, it seems to always work work well for Newcastle United. What do you think they'll be getting up to over there? I mean, just you know, warming up. It's probably the the answer given the weather of, of of late. Yeah, not a bad time to go out there, is it? When you think there's been snow here the last couple of days. Um, as you say, these trips do always seem to you know restart or kickstart or whatever you know Newcastle's form it's happened the last couple of times um, they'll probably I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet but they'll obviously have a friendly out there a lot of warm weather training probably a bit of relaxation um, yeah positive I think you know as somebody's mentioned in the comments earlier I'm not sure who it was I think a lot of these players need this break I know that they're obviously only focused on the Premier League at the minute but a lot of these players have, have run themselves into the ground recently. I think, you know, maybe just a week off focusing on something else other than Premier League football, I think will, will do them good. Yeah, Darren says, I think we mentioned before, but Darren says, I think Pope needs a break coming up after this Forest game. Interesting, Joe Linton as well, obviously not in the in the, in the the squad just because of that suspension, um, but he was there, you know, he was celebrating with the players when they went in to the dressing room. How do you think last week and this week pans out I assume he'll be training as normal. Normal, he probably just won't have the yellow coloured bib, which uh, suggests he'll be starting at the weekend. Yeah, definitely, he'll be out there. Um, it'll be you know full focus getting back against Manchester United. Um, hopefully, alongside Anthony Gordon, although we're not too sure. But a big, big boost yesterday with Casemiro getting that red card, meaning he's going to miss the Newcastle game on April second, and obviously Jolinton being back at the same time is, is perfect. So. Big headache for how if they all stay fit between now and then. Positive headache to have, isn't it? Uh, Darren back here with this one says, with Forest, my United followed by three away games in a row against West Ham, Villa and Brentford. It will go and we make or break for a top four finish. Can't argue with that. Let's just briefly then, Aaron, to wrap up, talk about the summer transfer. And again, it's been a week of where names have been thrown in. Um Last week it was it was James Ward-Prowse. I mean that midfield area seems to definitely be an area which they're going to be looking at. Um, James Ward-Prowse, think that's a is that a realistic option? Potentially, I mean they would be. Newcastle could probably do with Southampton going down if that's a deal they wanted to do. Um, he's been linked with moves away from this club a lot. You know, it's never came to fruition. I know Villa were close to getting him a couple of years ago. Newcastle have had interest in the past. I know that you have been banging the drum and I'm sure that if you ever get the chance to speak to Dan Ashworth between now and the summer, you would be banging that drum to his face. Um, he would be the type of player that Newcastle need. Fantastic, you know, with or without the ball, his set pieces and his free kicks are just ridiculous. Um, for me, that midfield area is where they need to strengthen more than most. I tweeted on Saturday because I was watching the Liverpool game against Bournemouth and, and first off, how Van Dijk didn't get a red card or at least concede a free kick when he rugby tattled, I think it was Solanke to the ground and then and then it was Billing that got fouled in the box, which I thought was definitely a penalty. It's Billing I want to talk about because I've said before, when Newcastle played Bournemouth up here, he was so impressive. It was a horrendous game, yeah. but he was really impressive. And again, against Liverpool... Very, very impressive. He looks like a very good Premier League player. I tweeted that out. Some people said, yeah, I would love to see him at Newcastle. Others said, nowhere near the level of where Newcastle United want to be. And I put back, well, actually, slow and steady. Newcastle might be battling for top four, but 
the overarching message is still slow and steady. They're going to have to build the squad up, whether in the Champions League, Europa League, Conference League. They're going to need to add quality players. And Billing, he might not be Bruno standard, but he looks a very good Premier League player. And it's them kind of players which will underpin kind of the foundation that that, that builds up for success in the, the future seasons to come. Yeah, he looks very good, as you, as you touched on. He, he played very well at St James's Park early in the season. Uh, scored a really good goal, actually, for a little flick around the corner. He's creating more chances than anyone in this Bournemouth team. I think he, he might actually be their top scorer, or close to being, from even from midfield. Um, I get the argument, and I, I understand. I saw your tweet on Saturday, and I thought you were going to get some of those responses about, you know, they need to be aiming higher. But if they're going to qualify for Europe next season, they need a deep squad. Even if Philip Billen isn't starting at Newcastle, imagine bringing him off the bench. I mean, I'm not saying he's not good enough to start for Newcastle. I think he probably could. But, um, yeah, look, I think he's going to have a lot of suitors in the summer. But, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be against him joining. I, I think it's just important, you know, to kind of take our expectations. And also, I mean, I, I can't remember just how good Marnie was at Southampton, but obviously he was good enough for Liverpool to come in and buy him. But did he really set the world alight? I know he scored goals, but... You know, there's nothing wrong with shopping at that level in the Premier League because there's always going to be good players. About you know, for instance, Jordan Henderson coming from Sunderland. You know, there's an example there. Jordan Henderson, despite the allegiances to Sunderland, a very, very good player. You know, just because you're not shopping around Europe's top clubs or the Premier League's top clubs doesn't mean you're not strengthening with very good Premier League players. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we don't know how big the budget's going to be. It's still, you know, without major sponsorship investments, going to be a case of maybe watching the pennies in some in some cases and I think if Bournemouth go down you can get him on a cheap I think it would be a be a good option got one here from uh, Buster Blood Vessel and that's an interesting name on YouTube says I'd love to see Teeny and Madison start our summer spending I think I'm I think I'm going to be in the minority on this one um, but uh, Teeny just doesn't do it for me Yes, he would be an upgrade on target. Yes, he would be an upgrade on Burnie. There's no doubt he's a talented player, but that injury record just oof, gives me sends shivers down my spine. So I've not I've not seen enough of him to be to be honest to, to make a judgment. Reading comments, people seem you know very people seem very his, keen on him joining, but yeah, his personality, you know, big big sure. big uh, sheer on you know like big fans of his kind of his approach to games off the pitch and his his captain captaincy ability. I mean. But do we do we assume that that's when Newcastle are really going to be looking for a left back? Does that spell the end of Jamal Lewis's time at Newcastle then? Ooh, I mean Jamal Lewis, yeah. I think Eddie Howe's given him a chance, but you know for whatever reason it hasn't worked. I think Dummett as well is probably one that is going to you know be facing an uncertain future. I think they're definitely going to be looking for you know a top class left back. Um, Tierney fits that bill very very good. He can play centre back, which where he plays. For Scotland, because obviously they've got Andy Robertson as well, as you said, leadership material, captain uh, for Scotland, plays very very well for Arsenal. But look, he's just he just doesn't say fit enough for me. Uh, Darren says Jim Ward Prowse and James Madison would be two great signings in the summer if the club are targeting these two to add quality. I mean, both of them would be quite something, wouldn't it? Uh, Derek says I'd have Billy in ahead of Maxi. Uh, but not teeny, so he agrees with you there. And then we've got um, a big one here from Joe. Says hi, lad. Sorry for the late start. It was nice to win, and he's had to score and boost his confidence. But Almiron on the bench. When I saw that team, I thought he must be injured. I was livid to see Almiron on the bench. 
great. Our top scorer scored the winner, Miggy, 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 Miggy. Is that your, is that your burner account? I was going to say, I, I didn't realise I, I tweeted that hat. there. Uh, it looks like Joe's maybe going to stage a coup for the uh, chairman and founder of the uh, Miguel Almiron fan club. I'm glad to see there's someone who loves him just as much as I do. A uh, big fan of Miggy there. I think maybe you might have offended him by suggesting Murphy dare replace him in the squad. Um, Roger there says, is Phillips a no chance? I'm assuming he's, he's talking about Calvin there from Man City. Yeah, I couldn't see that that one happen. And, 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 and after the season Phillips has had as well, I don't think he'd want to be going out and spending the big money that Man City would, would demand when he's barely played. Yeah, I agree with that. What are the pay, 60 mil or something? From a lot Something of money. like that. Um, look, if you were signing him from Leeds, I would think that'd snap your hand off, but... I'm not too sure. He seems to be another one of those players that's gone to City and their career's just taken a nosedive. I think, though, we can see exactly when Newcastle are aiming for in the summer. You're going to want that defensive midfielder, yeah. someone you can, can stick a foot in. You're going to want a left back and you're going to want either a number 10 slash, slash forward. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they need two midfielders. They need... Um, I can see them buying a young centre-back, a new first-choice left-back, even maybe another striker to make sure they've got three there. I think I think they need probably five or six, you know, new additions to, to be competing. And I guess the big question is because like Derek said there, James Ward Prowse and James Madison would be a perfect way to start the Super Spend. That sounds very ambitious. How big do we think Newcastle are gonna go this summer? Have you got any inkling, any understanding to, to what to expect? Will it be, you know, two big names or will it be one big name and then you build kind of the second level around around the big names you've already got there, like Bruno and maybe someone like James Ward-Prowse or, or James Madison? I think they're going to be trying to copy this model that they've, they've had so much success with, and that is trying to find a Bruno or Botman. You're not paying over the odds for them. It's not completely de- depleting your um, your sort of transfer kitty. Um, and look, they're going to have, if they qualify for, I mean, if they qualify for the Champions League, it's a different story. If they qualify for Europe in general, are going to need a very, very deep squad. They're going to need a lot more additions in, which means you probably have to be a bit more frugal with your money if you're spending it on six or seven players rather than three. Can I see there being a big 70, 80 million pound record signing? Probably not. But I think they'll definitely invest and I think they've got deals in the pipeline in terms of sponsorship that are going to give them a big, big hand financially. Um, the kit sponsor being one of them. Um but yeah, until those sort of deals are done, they're sort of having to, you know, stick to financial fair play and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, big summer ahead, definitely. The call for six or seven new additions, I don't think anyone argues with that. That's going to be a massive task on yeah. not only Dan Ashworth to find the players and Steve Nixon, but also Eddie Howe and the coaching staff to implement those players into the squad because we know personality and how they you know handle themselves off the pitch and it, it plays a big part into what Eddie Howe wants to build here at Newcastle you know they've got to basically pass a personality test haven't they can you find six or seven game changers with that because you know, I wrote a story the other week about Bruno Fernandes and his petulant behaviour against Liverpool when my night uh, uh, beat, got beat 7-0 top class player but he's going to have he has those moments where he spits his dummy out he's got a bad attitude and then he does wonders in the next game. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's not going to be easy to find six or seven players with the attitude of Bruno and with the talent of Bruno. Yeah, I mean, how loves to tell us all the time that, you know, Bruno's don't go on trees and 
it goes back to what we had the debate about last week. Do you sacrifice the, the personality a little bit for the talent that they're going to bring? And I think as Newcastle get further down the line, two or three years into this journey, they're probably going to have to start doing that. I think at this moment in time, I think how we'll want to keep the group as you know tight-knit and as you know as similar as they can. Um, but that all goes out the window when you're playing Champions League and you're trying to you know win massive trophies. So... Um, I don't sort of envy the job that Dan Ashworth and his team have got to do this summer. An exciting job, nonetheless. Final question then, Aaron. Downley says, would the club cash in on Maxi to raise some funds for transfers, do you think? Maybe other players as well, I guess. Cash in on. Or will they actually think about it? Will they, though? Because this, this is the thing I always go back to. Newcastle don't have many sellable assets. What I mean by that is, yes, they've got Bruno and Botman and Isaac, but they're not going to want to sell them. In terms of players that you can really see going, that will also bring in a significant amount of money. Maxi's maybe the only one, you know. Mm. So yeah, I I don't think it's it's inconceivable that he goes this summer. I think you'd probably get a good return on him if you know a club in Europe wanted to buy him. It just depends, you know, whether there's any suitors for him. And also, he seems very committed to be staying at this club. So interesting to see what they do with him this summer. I mean, I'm a big fan of of Miggy, but Joe seems to be the biggest fan I've ever met. I felt for Miggy, he says. He must have been so embarrassed for Murphy to be chosen ahead of him. I think that's a little bit unfair on Jacob Murphy, and Jacob Murphy did an excellent job. Team game, we win together, we lose together, is the mantra Eddie Howe seems to like to push out there. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. We're going to bring you a very special video on our YouTube channel tomorrow when Aaron... Stop talking about it, will you, honestly? When I, sorry, cash in my winnings from Aaron's bet that he made about Jacob Murphy... We'll do a menu reveal. You'll see what we've ordered. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, a bit about Newcastle after we've eaten it. I know Aaron said we're going to eat it live on Facebook or YouTube. That's not going to happen because no one wants to see that. But it'll be a big Nando's reveal tomorrow on our YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching there now. Hit the follow button on the podcast channel. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news.